Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast. The Yeah. Where we discuss everything you need to know and perhaps some things you don't about how to fail forward in young adult ministry. These monthly podcasts discuss culture topics, interview guests, cover books, and rift on anything else that we feel like is relevant. Hello, my name is Kenny. I live in the Boise, Idaho area where I'm the volunteer director with my local church, Young Adult Ministry. And I'm Chris in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm on staff with University Christian Fellowship as a church engagement catalyst and the National Coordinator for Campus Mission, which is an outreach of the Church of the Nazarene to college and university students. And I'm Jeremy in Nashville, Tennessee, where I serve as the university pastor and community engagement pastor at Trebekah Community Church. And, and here, here we, we go. Here we go. Go. Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast. In person. Here we are, guys. The first ever. Yeah. 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 Our first ever in person. All three yeah. of us so at the same time. We don't know what to do. We started trying to record attempts at something. We've been recording something for about 45 minutes. At least. At least. There's even Chris playing some piano. And and making fresh uh, coffee from Numa Coffee. I'm ready for a refill. www.numacoffee.com. Numa. Zoom in on that, baby. Mm-hmm. And it's the uh, leftover Christmas blend. Holiday blend. Oh, thank you. Holiday yeah. blend. Oh, he's not keeping the Christ in Christmas. Okay. <laughs> you can call it Christmas blend if you want. <laughs> I keep the holy and holiday. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, our- isn't there something about holy coming up in like yeah. Indian culture? Indian culture and you're the one that's like talking about Christ not meaning Christmas. That's true. Uh, holiday means holy days, and you're really culturally. Man, that's a throwback to was that a year ago? Yeah, you're mean? really culturally insensitive. So oh, yeah, I'm a good guy for cultural intelligence I'll if you keep... need some. Huh. So I'll, I'll keep oh. the rest of this bag for um, for holy here in a few weeks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's good to have fresh coffee brewed. We're all drinking the same thing here. We can swap tasting notes. And I'm still in deep. And sharing life experiences. Kenny, you've been on campus hanging out with people. What's yeah, going on? I'm like on a I'm like on a shepherd recruiting road trip. Spent time in Indy, spent time at Iowa. Recruiting shepherds. Um, yeah. I'm, yep. That's exactly what I'm doing. It's like lots of sheep that need shepherded. So we're that shepherding. Was that was bad. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Wow. 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 Yeah. Been sheer, on a lot of campuses. I'm actually back with you guys now. Sheer nonsense. And I chose to do this today with my time. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. It's been good to, this is my first trip since August. And I'm glad I get to spend it with you guys and staying with Jeremy and Chris, you and I are doing this crew one day event tomorrow with networking with young adult leaders. How many, do you know how many are coming? Yeah. I want to say about 30. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So that's, so, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Jeremy? I, you know, yeah, my home turf and we've got two of our three kids out of state with grandparents. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where for the last month we've been like, oh, we don't have time for this. Let's punt it to the last week of February. And we punted everything to this week. And I'm so glad you kept Kavya. It's Kavya. Yes. Because Kavya. she's like the only one in your house I can relate to. Like we're on the same level. How old is You're she? doing crunches as she's five months old. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. 
little bit of drool. She's Pretty adorable. Sweet. Oh my gosh. She's and adorable. it's, um, it is nice to be able to spend some like more focused time with her and all the stuff we're doing this week is awesome. Like get, you know, getting to spend a little bit of time uh, with you guys here in town. And uh, I'm excited even in the busyness that most of it is coming out of um, while COVID isn't like fully behind us that like everything's kind of moving on to the next phase. Um, I feel like, and there's more and more things kind of like starting back up or starting in new ways or like, Hey, you know, this thing um, ended and we were able to like celebrate the life of um, this ministry work. Um, It ended during the pandemic and now we can start new things. Um, And I I'm getting to be in a lot of those plans and figuring out how we can be more to partner with the university, not just in college events but college service opportunities to where we're doing stuff in the city so it's it's a lot of fun yeah cool what about you chris um yeah i don't know let me think about that another deer in the headlights moment i sent you notes like three weeks ago oh you updated them yesterday oh yeah you're faking well no i always think about i never prepare like my off the cuff what's going on in my life should we practice the outro now um that'd be helpful no let's don't i will never mess that up again that's not true i hope you don't (laughs) um as far as what's going on just bought my daughter a car um my middle daughter who's about to turn 19 um so now both my girls have their own vehicles in their own name that's exciting Mm -hmm. it feels like we're almost done no just kidding um because <laughs> my son is 11 no, so he's a fifth no. grader yeah so we keep yeah. years now i have a feeling we're gonna quit on him you know <laughs> before he's done so to speak um but yeah family stuff is going pretty good um you know always little hiccups and challenges uh, ministry stuff has been fun i got to take a little trip to san diego los angeles so jealous phoenix yeah um hung out with some folks at point loma and then made some connections went to the alpha conference in mesa arizona just outside of phoenix to get a feel for um with my role with intervarsity we're trying to figure out is alpha a good tool to use with Mm. college and young adult ministry um it might be it might be that was a pretty fun conference where where does alpha come out of is it a denominational kind of leaning or organizational it's originally out of the UK. Nikki Gumble is yeah. kind of like the, the face and the voice originally of Alpha. I didn't get the history lesson, so I'm not sure. Um, but they have like, I want to say like 9,000 churches right now. Well, I bumped up States against Alpha. Running Alpha. I bumped up against it different places, different conversations, but never really been Me too. A part of it or anything. Same. I didn't know anything, but oh yeah, it's this thing they was pretty big in the uk and now it's come to the u.s as like an evangelism kind of thing it seems especially effective with skeptics um is it gnostic it is not it's not gnostic and it's not the alpha generation that's coming next no 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 um but it could be a good resource it's based on a video curriculum i have a feeling there's like a youth alpha thing and then like the the adult whatever adult alpha mm. x alpha wow um, on vhs and <laughs> what's a vhs it's kind of funny because <laughs> people who have been talking to about using alpha with college students they're like yeah some of the videos are a little bit 
corny, you're going to have to like make jokes about make a meme out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just kind of have fun with it, roll with it, apologize for it. Hey, sorry, that's stupid. But anyway, here's the here's the point. So anyway, I'm <laughs> looking forward to. I'm actually going to launch an alpha group with incoming freshmen at the University of Cincinnati at our coffee thing. Oh, you like for sure are in the fall? Because it yeah, sounds like you're I wanna, still like I want to test it out. And okay, do it myself. Okay, gotcha. Before I push it as a resource for churches. That's a novel concept. Yeah. Pilot something. Usually I like just throwing things out there and hoping they stick and having no real knowledge of how it works. <laughs> um, so anyway, there's Never fun ministry that. stuff going on. There's, uh, you know, lots of events, the leadership conference for the NYI folks coming up. Um, some PowerCons, some some field events with NYI and stuff that I'm looking forward to. So a lot of cool stuff going on, just trying to build relationships, connect, find those churches that are poised and kind of ready, hungry to uh, develop either church-based camp, college ministry or campus-based ministry initiatives. And yeah. I'm still your wingman at LC. Yes. Okay. Yes. I talked to John yesterday and he, he's going to get back to me today or tomorrow if the NFT Phineas F. Brzee is actually going to materialize. Mm, mm. And we're going to do that as a giveaway. Did I tell you about that? You did. I'm just, but I'm imagining you walking into the, to the conference with just like a jump drive with just a PDF file of Phineas Brzee. Like, I got an NFT. It'll, it'll, be, a, it'll be a printout. It'll be a paper printout that's taped to it. I'm going to give him a visual <laughs> with a QR code. You know, I mean, come on. It's interactive. It's going to be fun. Wow. So you're not impressed by the idea. Okay. No, that's I love great. the that's, idea. That's one millennial. That and it's, it's, it's sad that I literally don't know how, like, I know people are making NFTs. I know that I think I have some apps on my phone that allow me to, if I wanted to buy them, yeah. that I could have them stored, access them through my phone. But I don't know, like, that transit, like, how do you get it to make that transition from file to actually being something that could be considered an nft i have no idea what it is i just not talked to fungus people to token nazarene the non-fungus fungible non-fungible fun no fun tokens no, no fun, fun. <laughs> yeah they're not funny money so that's new terminology bussin yeah have you heard this phrase no my kids say this all the time that's bussin have you heard this one and that's it's short like, for stuff. it's like really cool it's like it's like i had a burrito yesterday and it was bussing is it coming from busting or from or it's just i haven't done any research on it i'm just reporting facts like from the something's cool enough it would show up on the side of a metro bus it doesn't have it's anything busing. to do with what it sounds like with the vehicle it, it's just cool it's like remember when michael jackson started telling us everything was bad but it meant it was good and then your parents lectured you about how you know the world would say that good things are bad and bad things are good and that's not the way of Christ and so you shouldn't listen to that music. Oh man. It's totally Michael different Jackson. than that and has nothing to do. Who's Michael Jackson? <laughs> that's thrilling. Who's that? Oh, there you go. Mm. Um, I, I do have to say I appreciate more and more the access resources. It's including good. There's good stuff because in there. I will walk out of conversations like I'm on a college campus and I walk. I came out of a coffee conversation on Monday I had to like look up three words. Um, the downside of not wearing masks anymore is that I have to actually pretend like I know what they're saying. Like I don't have the mask to cover my face. <laughs> I can just raise my eyebrow. Word. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he, he probably gets it. Um, just to actually have to like fully fake a reaction and try to figure out what it means. Guys, we skipped uh, 
local update on ministry stuff, didn't we? Or did we do that? Well, I kind of did that. You talked about yeah, you talked about different campus. things. Did you talk about on campus stuff? I had just an overview. I didn't talk about local ministry. I mean, I don't need to. Oh yeah, you were talking about being here. I was talking about my my shepherd, my, my pain gig, not my real gig, not my the one for my heart. There's no um, real update. So Hundo P. <laughs> Hundo P. What? I don't know what that means. Hundred percent. I agree. hundred percent. Hundo P. Where? What are you looking at? Are you just making that? <laughs> hey, up? be trill. Chill, Daddy, chill. True and real. Bible. Trill? Bible? Is that like truth? Yeah, what follows is truth. Bet. This coffee oh, is awesome. Dude. Bet. Bible. Dude, when I was talking to Jacoby this morning. He was telling stories and he was like, bet. And I was like, I can never be cool when I say that. My daughter, one of them, uses that a good bit. A good bit. And I can't seem to pull it off. Yeah, bet. Yeah. No cap. She also uses the... Yerd, yerd, yerd. Have you heard that? No. It's like yerd. You called somebody's name? It's. I, I don't know. Totally, like my mother in law called my father in law. Sounds like we're back to sheep now. <laughs> A sheep in heat. Yerd. Yerd. Um, wow. But it's like yerd. so old, except for you, Jeremy. <laughs> it's some kind of like. like yeah, 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 yeah. Yerd. Oh, yerd. Like yeet. A little bit. You heard. A little bit. You heard. <laughs> I love um, yeet. I love it when kids are doing yeet. So anyway, that's another one I can't seem to. I've tried to text it back to her, and she's like, "No, <laughs> not having it. Don't try." She calls me extra. Have you heard the extra? Yeah. Like if you do something, you're, you're so like, extra. Oh, you're so extra. Dad, that's dad. so extra. <laughs> My daughter's like, "Ah, oh, dad, stop." <laughs> The Saturday Night Live skits where the, the girl's on there and she's like making food or with her friends. She's like, ah, that's so gross. Ah, my daughter says that to me. So we like text back and forth. Yeah. Saturday Night Live, one of the, this season. Oh, yeah. Johnson. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, James Austin Johnson is, I don't know if you call him a Trebekah grad. He grew up in this church. Oh, for reals? Yeah. He's doing, and he's he on SNL. He's he went to Trump, Trump, right? He does the Trump and Biden impersonations. He got on because of his Trump impersonations. No That's way. Got him. So the guy that does Biden and Trump now is he grew up in this in, church. He's, he's, oh, he, okay. he went to Trump. I think for like two years. He's there. He did a, a late night show with Seth um, Rogan. Not Seth Rogan. I forget his name. Uh, one of the late night shows. Noah. No. I think it's Trevor Noah. Um, he didn't he was talking about growing up or that he went to a he went to a conservative christian school where you had to sign a piece of paper saying that you wouldn't sin in order to be allowed to come as a student <laughs> like to go to conduct he was talking about this school he's talking about this school and then he made a comment he said something along the lines of like you wouldn't and sin at like, all. but now like yeah now they're gonna like have an issue with me uh doing this and someone's gonna come after me but my question is and he turned to the camera and said Ethics professor at Trevecca National University. Why are you staying up late watching this show? <laughs> the ethics professor was up watching that show because he's a pastor here and the ethics professor. <laughs> Wait, what does him being a pastor here and ethics professor have to do with him being up watching Saturday Night Live? He was just calling out like the ethics professor, like he just called the ethics professor out on um, this late night show. But did he, did he think it was funny? Did the ethics professor and pastor think it was funny? He did, because they had told him when, the last time he came through town that they didn't watch him. 
So like he oh, was like he was taking a stab yeah, at the yeah. guy actually watching. I love it. I and love calling it. him out, and it, but no one else would have gotten it. Oh, is that coffee ready? This might not be that. That's the old one with uh, Alex Trebek. Yeah. Is that is that coffee ready? Because I, I need a refill. Yeah, can yeah. I can I just give a quick local ministry update? Yeah, I'm excited. I, I think I told this to Jeremy since I've been staying in his house. But Chris, I had um, uh, we did our a monthly lunch again like the first one since the pandemic and we got our young adults together and we had, we had a ton show up. It was fantastic. And I did one of those little Slido survey things and got some good information. Did, we gave away Jacoby's book oh, and yeah, we yeah. gave away this book called um, Unoffendable by Brent Hansen, a Christian radio guy. It's okay. really, it's a really good book. I'm enjoying listening to it. Thanks Chris. You want to make some um, but I just coming out of that, Thank you. One of our one of our young adults that's grown up at our church, and he's one of our, our main drummers with our worship our, our Sunday morning worship team. Um, he has some other stuff in the church too, but um, he's just awesome. His name's Jonathan. He he came up to me afterwards. He's like, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to get together like a, a board game night, or maybe on a Saturday or something. And like, I'd like to host that. And like, what what do we need to do to make that happen? I'm like, dude, let me let me hook you up. Like, let's get you talking with the youth pastor, and we can work out facilities and stuff. So. We might have a, we're having the monthly lunches again. We might have a game night coming up and we're just still doing the relational broker thing, connecting young adults that are kind of coming into our relational kind of circles and like making sure they meet somebody that's a part of that. And then, and then moving on from there. I'm, I'm just excited about simple stuff like that. Well, that's cool. I'll do yeah. one quick, I'll do yeah. one quick other uh, yeah. update because I'll, I'll brag on it because I literally have nothing to do with it, but there's a professor at the university here that you can just say Trebekah, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> professor, the professor at Trebekah, that it real heart for those who do not feel comfortable in a church uh, or um, are not really sure what to do with God. And so they like all pastors everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So they started this uh, this group that just meet, and it's not a Bible study. They just their goal is to just be able to be a like loving like campus parents to this group mm. that they meet just off campus like within walking distance uh, but in a safe space to where they can like all across the spectrum of uh, perspectives and worldviews uh, about god and christianity and it just continues to like grow and they every time i see them they're like hey we had you know um, some of them over for, for dinner or like some of them aren't going uh, home for spring break and they're going to come and stay at our place. And it's like, it is college ministry. They go here to this church. It was birthed out of a group last summer that went through like a discernment process um, of how to uh, like how they could be engaged more fully in their local community and just kind of like ran with it. And they've, I've, they're like, we'd love for you to come, but honestly, having a pastor show up at this point would probably scare don't them. Ruin it. It. Yeah. And I was like, I don't harsh the vibe. Yeah, I was like, I don't have to come. I was like, if you want me to like help buy some food so you can take it, I go, I, sure. I'd love to meet him, but I don't need to. Like, I don't I don't need to mess with any of it. And so it's this weird, it's like this, it is coming out of the life of the church. I love it. But isn't like a church small group uh, that would normally happen to me that's a true expression of like hospitality mm-hmm. uh, i feel like i'm often trying to help people not reduce hospitality to coffee and donuts kind of stuff but that is 
being and, and I and I'm not trying to segue, but in this last chapter here, do it the whole thing about treating these bright spot churches are treating outsiders as family, basically. Yeah. So and that is hospitality <clears throat> is treating that's what God did for us, treated us as enemies, even foreigners, outsiders to the kingdom, treating us as family. Um, so treating, I think, students as family, like many have never experienced that in their, if they have any church experience at all. It's it's not been that sort of thing. So that's awesome. I love hearing that. It makes me think there have been times we live too far from the University of Cincinnati to really engage students a lot in hospitality, like meals and stuff like that in our home. I often wish that we had just moved like right beside campus or something, you know, 15 years ago to to really be able to do that kind of thing with mm-hmm. students. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, before we skip into the book, mm-hmm. I, I did do the notes. I did them way early, and there is Culture Corner, and Chris updated it <laughs> this morning with two more, so we have four to choose from. Dang. You're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I just... Bible. Slight stroke <laughs> on my part. Bible. <laughs> Trill. Facts. So which one of these should we dive into here for a minute? Okay, let's, I'm going to read them. Cancel culture or cancel earlier marriage? Coca-Cola for Gen Z? Or Gen Z reshaping spirituality? Sounds like um, different genres on like Jeopardy. Or in NPR's Saturday morning show. Oh, yeah. Coca-Cola for Gen Z for 200. Thank you. Okay, so what's the cancel culture one all about. I don't know. I can't remember why I titled that. I like looked it up and I read it and I'm like, oh, it's what college students really think about cancel culture is the title of the of the article. I really like Coca-Cola, so I skipped right to that one. <laughs> You're not even on this one? No. <laughs> I wanted to know what it was. This I love trying to is... the cancel culture thing though is interesting. And I've heard people kind of lump a bunch of stuff into cancel culture. And it also kind of aligns with a certain political persuasion. And then it also aligns with people that don't want to, they think that critical thinking comes from socialism and communism. And at that point, mm-hmm. I realize we're not going to have a dialogue. I like this last one. Okay. The, how young people sure are reshaping is. spirituality. Let's look at that one. And I feel like there's some overlap. With? The book. Do you go to church? That's the first question of the yes. article. Yes. By the way, I walked into uh, Charbucks in uh, Fort Wayne the other day. And there was this dude sitting in there, and he had this black trucker hat on, and it said, um, let's have church. And I was like, uh, it's Sunday morning, and I can't resist. So I'm like, dude, tell me about your hat. And he was going, he was had Bible out, laptop, uh, 30 years old, going to speak at the church he's been on staff. And he just started with a new ministry called um, Destiny Rescue that helps rescue people out of human trafficking. And he's worked at, uh, he's worked in marketing at a radio station in Fort Wayne and been like the, like a youth and young adult ministry at this non-denom church in Fort Wayne. And I like, we were instant bros, prayed for each other. Rescue is a big, it's, I mean, that's a well-known national. Is it? Oh, wow. So he, he's traveling now for them and he's going to be at 30 churches this year, he Mm -hmm. said. Yeah, we did an event, our district at the Freedom Museum downtown Cincinnati, which has a so, lot of story of human trafficking as well as slavery stuff. 
I, I randomed us on on this, but I, that's one of the cool young adult things that I hadn't actually connected him to the new youth pastor at Grace Point in Fort Wayne, Grace Point Naz. Yeah. Because he's been there a month and he came from, he, Mount Bennett, she might know you. His name's Grant Harder. He graduated in Mount Vernon, but he's about 30. And then he went to Oklahoma for about His seven brother years. brother Garrett? I don't know. I think so. I don't know. Um, but in this article, there's three, there's one, two, three big points here. The first I call three major takeaways. For young people, spirituality starts with interpersonal relationships. Are you kidding me? I've been doing this all along. Oh. Been doing it excarnately. Excarnately, yeah. Yeah. I just read uh, the book Incarnate by Mike Frost. Oh, that's oh, a fantastic yeah. one. I won a series of books from Tara Beth Leach's, uh, about a year ago, she launched her book. I still haven't read her book. Uh, it's really good, uh, Radiant Church. Oh, and so, <laughs> just a, I haven't, just, I have read, read that the book. book. I have. I have. Uh, but I read, it. it's, um, I know that my cross book isn't new, and I've read other Mike, like it wasn't anything necessarily novel to what else he's talked about, but it was like some good thoughts on especially now reading on the other side of COVID of just seeing how important relationships are. And I know in our, this isn't just young adults, but within our church and then on, on campus, on Trevecca's campus, how big, just like what used to be normal, just things of getting together in person, like how meaningful that is, Mm -hmm. especially over meals. Yeah. Um, So we're ready for that. You guys are doing other stuff tonight. um, But I'm, got uh a, a young adult gathering and meal tonight dude it wasn't it wasn't purposely to to not be with you all i knew that i uh-huh. i knew that i couldn't do everything with you all and tonight was a good night to i wanted to try to get it in before the end of february um, I understand that. what's the second one there does somebody got it adults still matter to kids scary scary stuff i hang out with a lot of adults uh, we used to talk in youth ministry about, you know, parents being the most influential people in a student's life. I still believe that. Even though parents don't believe that. And parents are as dumb as dirt as far as their kids are acting. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I generally think it's still true. I'm sure it would depend on the parent, whether or not a parent... Even if they're bad, though, it has a huge engaged. impact on them. Or if they're absent, it has a huge impact. True. Yeah. They're influencing yeah. them one way or another. By absence or presence. Yeah, yeah I, I still think it's true. I think the stats hold. I have no proof to back that up. Just putting that out there. And I'm finding that my own girls who are 19 and 22 now um, are like, they're starting to send random texts like, hey, you're the best dad ever. Thanks for being there. Thanks for this or that, you know, which is happening sooner than I expected it to, those kind of things. I don't think I got to that point till maybe. 30. Did your parents buy you a car? Never. Well, I mean, that has something to do with it. I'm not saying it's not genuine, but... Well, we helped with the down payment. We did not buy the car. We helped them get... You know, we co-signed so they could... But they're able to make the payments themselves, and they're both paying their own insurance. I apologize. It's probably completely genuine. You should receive it that way, and I know your kids... I mean, they definitely wouldn't have these vehicles if we hadn't helped them. So adults still matter to kids. That's good. Number three. That bodes well for us. Yep. Um, Gen Z isn't tearing things down, but building something new. I like this. What are they building? So they're not deconstructing. They're constructing. 
have you guys been hearing a lot about deconstruction lately? Like people that are really concerned about Christian kids getting deconstructed at Nazarene Speaking schools. Of the Holy Post, that podcast, yeah. like Sky's interview with Tisha Harrison Warren. Is that name? Um, yeah, part of that. No, maybe it was part of their banter before the interview. Uh, but something about somebody had written an article. It was kind of a gospel coalition thing, I think, that was very anti-deconstruction, like, oh, any, like, deconstruction is bad. Um, If you're deconstructing, you're probably this close from slipping down the slope of no longer being a Christian kind of thing. So anyway, it stirred up a conversation about, well, it depends on what you mean by deconstruction or define, you know, define Mm. terms. I, Um, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. Verily, verily. I mean, aren't there like four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where this guy is like walking around the countryside, in and out of cities, hanging out with people, and like his main thing was completely redefining what it meant to have a relationship with God and what it meant to be in community with other people and a vision for a kingdom being something more than who was in charge politically at the time. Are you saying that Jesus was deconstructing religious standards i mean are the last first and the first or last so i think some people have a negative connotation for the word deconstruct well because it sounds like a wrecking ball well it's because it doesn't mean i think for some it's not deconstructing religion it's deconstructing christianity no it's 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 um it's this is my opinion it there's there's a scenario where what you have grown up with is challenged and people tell you what you should think. I think what, that that's negative. I think what's positive is that you pay a whole lot of money to go to a Christian liberal arts school and you encounter new thoughts for the first time and more in depth. And you receive it as you're being told what to think instead of being taught how to go about thinking more critically about the things that you've learned while you're growing up and more robustly. And then what's reported back is, and I'm not saying it's always this way, but it it hurts it hurts my head and it hurts my heart from my own experience and what I've seen um, over you know since 1999 when I graduated from NNU and things that happened to professors there and then I've seen happen around at other schools. I know it's not just exclusive Nazarenes, but look, people are paying a lot of money to go to Christian liberal arts schools. I don't want to tell them. I don't want my I don't want my daughter to be told what to think. I want her to be taught how to think critically about what she's learning. There will be a deconstruction process in that. I think what gets relegated to being defined as deconstruction is um, they were only taught so much. They don't need to learn anything more than that. If you add anything to what they've learned at the local church, it challenges what they've learned at the local church. And, and now, um, they're thinking different than they used to, and, and they're wondering about some things before. And so what I hear the critique is there's kids that get a call into ministry, they go to a Nazarene school, and then they sit underneath the teaching of one professor or two or three, and then they question everything that they've ever learned, and then they fall out of their calling, and they fall away from the faith, and now they're not even in the church of Christians anymore, okay? Now, there's some mentoring that needs to happen. There's some pastoring that needs to happen, some guiding with, but I don't think that there's anybody in our Christian institutions that are setting out to completely dismantle the church by having no pastors because 
they told kids what to think. I'm sorry, I went off on the diatribe there. So I'm really confused about the whole deconstruction thing right now because I think it's important to deconstruct and reconstruct. Mm-hmm. You're channeling some Richard War there. I think you've definitely got to reconstruct. Now I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, whoops. Um, Order, disorder, reorder? Yeah, yeah. Um, what I was thinking as you were talking there is because I, I've heard some folks complain recently that you know our Nazarene universities don't seem to be good at producing Nazarenes. Um, and I think, I mean, the reason for that is because when you put in an environment where you can re-examine and rethink things that you've inherited spiritually in terms of faith and Christianity and the institution of church, there's a lot of things that as you think critically, things that, you know, this article points out that Gen Z is not, is not happy with the lack of engagement with justice issues and social issues, you know, and that Gen Z, especially with their, their experience of diversity to try to, if they, evolve and change during the college years and they try to come back to a church that hasn't changed Hmm. and isn't diverse and hasn't figured out how to integrate faith and justice and culture um i mean that kind of student is just not gonna it's not gonna fit in the same you know it's almost like the wineskin kind of thing but faith and justice and culture. culture and forgive me for being redundant but Jesus, hmm. I, how do we miss that? How do we miss that, that these things that we're so afeard of right now, um, that like Jesus confronted these things all the time for his day. He was the threatening feature and we're, and we're somehow threatened by the things that, that he was inviting dialogue, conversation and discipleship through. Yeah, I got nothing. I sure do enjoy the journey, especially with you guys. Yeah. But that does kind of uh, connect with the final chapter. Here we are, not done yet. You know, it just dawned on me. It just dawned on me, like the not done yet. These are, you know, thinking of duns and nuns. Mm. So young adults who are not done yet. Poetic. They're maybe they were on their way to being done done with the church or whatever but they're not done yet and then they not done yet not nuns or duns yet Um, nuns is duns yet and then they experienced a bright spot church yeah someone that was someone that helped them see uh like the true north of their faith what's the chapter title it's true north yeah oh there we go oh wow wow something about being real didn't get the notes after all (laughs) So these bright spot churches in this final chapter, um, I thought there's some good stuff in here to kind of sum up. Um, but as we were just saying, like it's it's, although this is a different conversation. Like someone who comes out of Trebekka, you know, graduates and tries to find church community again post college life. That's a different scenario than really what she's focused on engaging unchurched emerging adults yes um very different you know sort of thing but i do think the culture of a church and what she points to initially in this chapter is that 
a lot of these bright spot churches. So these are the churches that are actually engaging with and seeing emerging adults connect and come to know Christ is finding that these churches have a certain DNA, I think, when it comes to cultural engagement um, and this ability to, to balance, like having, having doctrinal boundaries and having things that they're committed to doctrinally and theologically and everything, but being able to balance that with having a kind of open posture um, that's not condemning. And I think where a lot of churches lose young adults is they just kind of have, and this is Andy Crouch's posture kind of stuff, like a lot of the conservative church has just this condemning, critical posture towards the world instead of... Um, I forget what all the C words are now, but um, being a little more open or hospitable, um, encouraging, you know, whatever. So, Chris, you you added some really great thoughts and insights from the chapter in in, in the notes here. There's one question here about remind me. Well, no, I'm just reading what you what you added, but. Um, uh, I mean, the recap on the five practices, initiate, invite, include, involve, and invest equal faith commitment. And they might happen in different orders. I mean, we've been talking about that through all the different chapters. That's been really helpful for me. Um, but the question here, it's a few notes down. It says pastors also act as cultural, as culture brokers. What is it? And then you put, Nick, what does that mean? What does that mean? And I like to think of myself as a, as a, as a relational broker or as a missional broker, like helping people connect to a place where they can join God in mission mm-hmm. and live that out with the passions and skill sets that he's given that God's already kind of innately put in people to pursue. Um, and it's, I find great joy in being like a missional broker, relational broker for young adults in the local church setting, but being a cultural broker. Um, I wonder if that has to do with like, if I'm going to apply that to young adults in a local like a local church setting, whether you're talking college campus um, or you're talking just, you know, older young adults or, you know, the 18 to 22 college age. Um, when I think of that champion in the local church setting, there's a, there's a brokering that happens between church leadership, um, other generations of the church and the young adults and ha- having conversations to help understand the young adults that we're in relationship with, like where they're coming from and what, what they need and what they hope for um, and I think it goes back to that culture corner thing too, that they're building something new for the future, but they don't want to just do that on their own. They want to do it with the church. They want to be a part of it. They don't have it figured out and they know that it's when I feel like older generations act like they have it all figured out and young adults just need to comply and how false that is. Like we, I mean, we don't even, I, I don't believe that about myself. Um, I want to be reverse mentored by these young adults. And I think being a cultural broker is not just a, like a church and like secular community, if I can use a word that I don't like to use very much, because I mean, it's, it's like the secular and the sacred. I don't know that Jesus operated that way. He just looked at it all as like God loves and is redeeming. Um, But that we get to be culture, culture brokers within our church culture settings between intergenerational cultures of young adults and older generations, and staff uh, leadership. That's kind of how I see myself as a cultural broker in my church. I think maybe another piece to it is, uh, you were making a different point, but in hearing you say that, that 
in building new things, something we've talked about in previous episodes, is in trying to build something new in the world for young adults. Sometimes it's like if we're trying to build something that's just or hospitable or compassionate, not seeing the church as a place to do that or as not seeing the church as a place that is doing that. So while there is a desire for participation with others and across generations that when the church isn't being faithful to our witness and we're not being cultural brokers and not the five eyes, when we're not doing that stuff well, young adults go and do it elsewhere. They get engaged uh, politically or in nonprofits and community organizations where they see people making a real difference and want to be a part of that. Yeah. That point of contact that actually is like where the rubber meets the road to, to, to be a catalyst to change, to be a catalyst to justice, to be a catalyst to genuine relationship and and redemption. And it may come in a Christianese package or not, but why can't the church be Christ centered and alluring to young adults? Like how, how can, how can we go about helping to change that and inviting young adults to be a part of it to help change that perception that we're not the brokers of kingdom culture um, that they're, that they're looking to engage with. Yeah. I'm just spitballing. I'm trying to engage. Yeah. With, no. With, and then, and when, if we, so often it, Christianity in an attempt to, well, one of my football coaches in high school would always say what you allow you promote. And I feel like very often, um, it was good advice for football players, but uh, that uh, the church is like, this is the line. We are not going to allow that. We're not going to allow you to be a part of anything that we're doing until you sand off the edges that we don't like. Where does that fall on the invite include? I mean, the include and involve, if, if the belonging before you believe, if, if instead of saying a line and saying like you have... If you're on the opposite side, then we're going to like not be hospitable. Like, not that we don't hold truths, not that we don't hold to like the the core doctrine, doctrinal truths of Christianity and the Apostles' Creed and stuff like that. But in saying this is the good news for the world and this is the truth of Jesus Christ, that like drawing a line in the sand and and saying that you are my enemy until you become exactly like me. That's, that's We're not defined to... by what we don't do. Yes. Instead of what we do do. Ooh. It's not that's not gonna be that's that's not just like not being loving. It is shooting ourselves in the foot. As the church. Like if we if we are seeking to reach those who are far from Jesus and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and the love that he has for each of us as daughters and sons, uh, children of God, then that requires back to that art, it requires relationships. It reminds me of I was a worship leading worship at a church, and I had a college guy who played bass guitar for us, but he was obviously not following Jesus super closely, um, you know. And somebody brought up the issue with me, like, oh, should he really be on the worship team if he's not, you know, living a life, you know, or whatever? And I, I just remember trying to convince it, although. I would I can see it from both sides. And as a youth pastor back in the day, 
I would think, well, do you do you have a young adult come in and like help lead a small group or do something? How much do you involve a, and include a you know a young adult mm. until they kind of cross that line into faith or whatever? But anyway, with the worship thing, I I just went to bat for, hey, I want him on the worship team. I want to be involved. I want to be in his life. This is a way for me to be in his life and share with him and whatever. Um, so, so how can we weed out the people that look like they're following Christ but they're actually faking it? Yeah, right. If we really want to, like, let's let's, go down let's be that fair. Road, that's that's almost like the, you know, Jesus needs to just scribble in the dirt some people's names. And yeah, say, I don't really believe in Jesus yet, um, but I really enjoy playing guitar, and I'm happy to help like play guitar and and sing these songs about loving Christ. Is it okay if I'm a part of that? Hey, let let me, me, but I understand the tension though. Let me ask you guys this: so one pushback I have a little bit on some some of this is. She makes a point somewhere about we need to basically do better evangelism within the church. So if you attract young adults who are unchurched to your church, then yes, there needs some evangelism is going to happen basically within the context of them spending time, you know, as she says, trying on faith, trying on Christianity and whatever. Um, I guess a part of me also wants to push back and say, should we also should we be reaching unchurched emerging adults outside the church i don't know there's a part of me that's reacting because it almost sounds like we need unchurched people to hey come to us come and hang out right. with us yeah and then we'll show you it's still like an attractional model that's kind of rolled up in yeah. here a little bit yeah a little bit and i can't tell if that's her perspective or if that's just the, like the churches that she i feel like it's the what she thinks the data is telling her from her yeah. research um but there's just a little bit of that that bothers me or it just makes me want to be cautious like um and then i think even with our own our own young adult ministry um at my local church um it has been tricky to figure out how to leverage this group of they're basically church kids who have grown up in the church so they're not unchurched there's not out of 15 young adults who are in our Sunday morning group, I don't think there's anyone who's not churched. Like they haven't come through some church history kind of, you know, whatever stuff. Um, And so I'm trying to figure out how do I help this group turn outwards, you know, and invite and whatever. And then that makes me think, sorry, I'm going down multiple bunny trails here. The other piece is I loved this little thing about, some of their perspectives on church before and after. Yeah. Like they thought church was like this, but now their experience with this bright spot church mm-hmm. has helped them see this. It's reconstructed. And that makes me think like, wow, we need a lot yeah. of churches to realize if they're going to help a young adult get from point A to point B, they're going to have to become this kind of church. But, but you know what? I, I would venture to say it's not because there was a complete realignment of the church and the church became like, Everybody in the church right. became completely different. It was it was one or two relationships in the church of people that were being intentional, and the church that was allowing that to be enabled and and wanted somebody to be that cultural, relational kind of translator broker. That then they connected relationship. Why do people leave churches? Because they have one bad relational experience that's, that's devastating. They have good reasons to leave or to be dunce. 
you know. Hey, I uh, tried to reconcile. I, I, I tried I, everything. I, I, we're, well, that's why we're here today, Chris. Didn't work. That's why we're here today. <laughs> we're, we're working on you, buddy. Um, but I think when you have those positive relationships where, like, you know, more notes that you put down there from this last chapter where you get to try things on, you know. Um, I found myself throughout this book, I take the things that she's writing in these chapters with kind of this quasi-attractional model. And I'm without, without really thinking about it, I've been realizing I'm translating it into, okay, I'm not out like beating the pavement, trying to get young adults to come into our church as a volunteer, young adult coordinator, director, whatever. Who do we have? Who do we have to work with? What do we have to work with? How do we make the most of that? How do we leverage the least, the, the most common denominator to have the greatest impact? You guys have heard me talk about that kind of a lot as part of my philosophy. Um, because I'm learning from this book how to apply what she's teaching about the bright spot churches to my local context to help disciple the young adults that we are entrusted with, that have taken the risk to be at our church and have the relationships with the young adults that aren't connected to any churches. That's where they work, they go to school, their families, or both. So I, I tend to think, you know, how we talk about evangelism and discipleship. But, I, but we also talk about evangelism is actually a part of the continuum of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so I'm taking the things that she's been laying out in this book and applying it as how do I help equip and disciple the young adults that we do have, whether it's one or 100. Um, and, and, then, and then how are we creating a space of hospitality within these kind of five-fold initiatives that she lays out in the book so that it can be a space. So if a young adult happens to stumble in on a Sunday morning with their family or a friend. And we do have these fringe relationships where people bring somebody, you know, when it happens informal times around food. Yeah. And, and maybe they came on a Sunday morning, but they were really glad to stick around and have some food and then just have some dialogue and connect with other people. Um, so I'm not trying to get young adults that aren't at our church yet. in. I'm trying to equip the young adults that we do have relationship with to be the hands and feet and the representatives of Christ in, in their, in our world. Um, that's kind of how I'm applying the invitation from the book to be a bright spot church. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, what I was saying about my group earlier, like they're all kind of like church kids who've just grown up through the youth group sort of thing. What, what is interesting though, is that they have, they've not been discipled in such a way that they reproduce, you know, a healthy disciple should reproduce, right? You know, that kind of thing. So they're still in that side. Some, yeah. Sometimes I need to realize that I can't just say, oh, these are a bunch of church kids who are now young adults. Now, I mean, some of them may st- may actually not know Christ, um, even though they've grown up in the church. Whatever. So there is some work to do in terms of, I think, community and helping to disciple them so that they can be at some point, if you have a genuine relationship with Christ, you've experienced, you know, Jesus rescuing you. That becomes something you want for others. Um, but until you, until they get to a place where, yeah, I don't know, they want to share that or whatever. Well, that's kind of how I think about <laughs> outreach to unchurched emerging adults, too, is that I've got to prepare, you know, the core um, to be doing that themselves and not yeah. me to just go out right. and, you know, start inviting, inviting servers and baristas and whatever to, 
come to church events, I've got really bad news and really good news. Mm. Jesus had about a 6.5% success rate. If you count John standing with two women at the cross. Yeah. And he had three years with 12 disciples. And how do you do that math? I did six point five. I made it up. It just sounded like it might. I mean, there's 12. I just need a substantially low I mean, number. Do you, this, 12 minus math. one. Um, and then you have 11 12? and then, I mean, it's not 10%. And so it had to be, but it's more than five. And I just like, this is why I drive my wife crazy with money. Because but I count the seven. But, but you, I like the seven. I know, but you see what I'm saying? Like Jesus gets three years with the disciples. He's the son of God. They all completely walk away, betray him. All they don't understand him most of the time. They're always asking him to repeat himself. They make a comeback. He, they totally make a comeback. And here we sit today. I have to lean into that hope. Yeah, yeah. I have to live into that hope. You know, I've heard people say recently, where is the church going to be in five years? in 10 years, in 20 years, and they say it with fear. And my response, as gentle as I possibly can, has been, well, where's the Holy Spirit going to be? Well, there's probably going to be a church then. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. The good news is the Holy Spirit's not done yet. You know what I thought about the other day? Where two or three are, where two or three are gathered, right? That's like the, that was like the first hotspot. Because the Holy Spirit is like wireless connectivity of the church. Mm. Two or three is like the first like modem example. Wow. I'm just trying to be a cultural broker. <laughs> That's nice. Exchanging. Trans- Jeremy trans- looks so confused right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> trying to figure out how to transition. Well, that was good. <laughs> and that was so obscure. I, I just know, pushed just with off the one, left with the internet reference that <laughs> I could get in trouble for this, but I sometimes wonder if if the church kind of struggling and dying as we know it could be a really good thing for the future of the church. Okay, like there needs to be a re a reset. Here's something I asked somebody the other day, sitting across from some sixty somethings talking about being the church. Um, they mentioned uh, how you know. Our country's going to hell in a handbasket. Basically, they didn't say that, but it's just all going down hell. The church, we're so afraid of where it's going to be in the future. And, you know, countries where they don't have religious freedom, this is their words, countries where they don't have religious freedoms, you know, the church is just thriving. And I go, well, what, what's the political climate of those countries? It was a total trap. And they go, well, they're communist. And I said, so why are we so afraid of socialism and communism if the church is going to thrive under it? And they weren't quite sure what to do with that. Neither am I. <laughs> but it's it's that messes, very that messes with the Zionist, you know, it messes with of the America being the new Israel. Well, it <laughs> the, oh my gosh. Okay, that's a whole other Which podcast. Just the Christian nationalism. So who's going to start the outro? And that wraps up our conversation with book not done yet. Yeah, and we don't have any idea what we're going to do yet. We know that it'll look different now that we're done. You know, Chris, I think when we're at a leadership conference in March in Tampa, that like me and you'll be together and we'll start him in. We figure out what's next. Well, we're going to get some bonus content, but I think we should do our episode from us in Tampa and wherever you're at. Yeah. And like try to do that since two of us will be together. I'd love that. I could interview you guys on what you're talking about. Like, I like that. We could do like a segue episode. Yeah. You can help me stay in the loop and those of you listening as well. 
All right, cool. Okay, so sweet. Until next time, fail forward. Be present and be teachable. Is that it? Are we done? Slate it. Did you say teachable? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>